Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be in church today, isn't it? In the house, in the house of God. Um, as you can hear from my accent, I'm, I'm not from the States uh, or, or anywhere else. I'm from the UK, United Kingdom. So just a few house rules before we begin. Uh, we're going to be running in British English today, <laughs> uh, which is quite different from what you usually hear up here. Um, I love my American brothers and sisters very much. Um, but man, what you do to our language sometimes. I was riding in uh, past McDonald's, and uh, I saw the sign, I'm loving it, loving with no G. I thought, I'm not loving that. <laughs> Loving's got a G. <laughs> but it's great to be together, um, worshiping God. What a, there's just such a great sense of God's Holy Spirit here today. Amen? Amen? Amen. And what I love about church is that the nations are just drawn together to praise and worship one God. And while the languages originally were given uh, in Genesis to confuse, uh, to confuse people, I sense that God is bringing the nations together. And in this house, we see that God is worshipped in so many different languages from people all over the world, uh, from China, from Europe, from the US. And isn't it wonderful to be together as part of God's kingdom? Just a few house rules, as I say, before we begin. Um, we're going to speak for the next three hours on the subject of the kingdom of God. So you can close the door. The key word you need to listen out for is finally. When I say finally for the first time, that means in the back of my mind, I've kind of got this idea that at some point we're going to be wrapping up. And it's usually we're about one hour out at that point. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, I've called this part one of the gospel of the kingdom, a little bit like those reality TV hosts. They're maybe bidding for a series like the Kardashians. Uh, if this doesn't go well, don't worry. Uh, this will be the one time you hear this message. <laughs> but the kingdom of God is what I want to speak on. And if you feel challenged today, please remember I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to the person behind you. Okay? I'm speaking to the person behind you. Um, I also want to be very sensitive uh, to the local culture. Uh, so if you want to have a little sleep while I'm speaking, that's also okay. One of the things I love about work here in China is I get my little nap in the afternoon. Are you ready for God's word? Yes. What's your expectation today? Sometimes we come to church and we think, well, it's just another Sunday. Let's just get in, sing some songs, listen to something, and then go. Can I ask you a question? When John was baptizing Jesus, a voice came out from heaven and spoke over the whole crowd. But the word is very clear that not everybody heard the voice of God. Why is that? Surely an audible voice spoken over a large group of people will be heard by everybody. Well, can I tell you this? That spiritual hearing is different to physical hearing. And can it be that some heard the voice of God because their ears were attuned spiritually, their minds and their hearts were prepared and ready to hear from their Savior. I want to encourage you and challenge you today, this word is for you. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, this word is for you? Church, you're looking absolutely glorious today. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking glorious. <laughs> I've loved the last three messages in this church, from Greg talking about new birth, from Craig last week talking about compassion, the compassion of Christ, and Stephen Yeo two weeks ago talking about the house, how important the house of God is, the church. 
The church is God's address on earth. This is where he does his work and his business. It's so important that we are here in church, listening to his word, hearing from him, being equipped, being challenged. What is your expectation? Expect God to speak to you today. Expect God to give you a word that maybe will carry you into the next 40 years of your life. When Moses got a word, a revelation from God, it sustained him for 40 years. Moses, by the way, was one of those people who, for 40 years, he thought he was a somebody. Then he realized, for the next 40 years of his life, he was a nobody. And then for the last 40 years of his life, he realized what God could do with a nobody. I want to speak to you today about the power of the gospel the gospel of the kingdom of God. I hope this message is of relevance to people, especially in transition. So many people transitioning from one place to another, from one country to another. Maybe you're staying here. I hope this speaks to you too. I hope it speaks to Gentile and Jew alike. I think most of us are probably Gentiles, which is why I've chosen the words of the Apostle Paul. Um, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. He's our apostle. Uh, to share with you about the gospel. There's a great English word called whosoever. Whosoever. It doesn't matter if you're from Asia, Europe, Africa, Australia, Antarctica, thank you. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter your material wealth or status. It doesn't matter if you're employed or unemployed, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, young or old, child or adult, if you choose to call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. What a great gospel that is, the universal gospel. You can place your faith and trust in the gospel. So the word I want to bring to you today is from the book of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. It says this, we're reading directly. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. Now, Paul is using the word remind here. The original Greek is, I want to beat this round your head. That's what it means. Um, Why is he doing that? Because somebody once said it takes three generations to lose the gospel. First generation preaches the gospel. Second generation assumes the gospel. And by then, the third generation has lost the gospel. The gospel continually needs to be preached It's not even taught, it's preached, it's imparted, it's given from one generation to the next generation. The gospel is essential, it's personal, it's received, it's eschatological as the theologians say, it's speaking directly about our future, about our destiny, about what God has for us. It's given, it's handed down generationally from one generation to another. We saw a wonderful example of that this morning, didn't we? With the youth, the, youth, the young people here. Um, building from one generation to another. Sissy, Zach, Sarah, what do you think they're doing right now with our kids? They're not looking after them. They're equipping them. They're empowering them with the gospel. What an amazing truth. Let's show our appreciation once more for the work that they do. And, you know, I had a, I had a, a picture during the worship um, that is, is a ceiling and a floor. I had a real sense that we feel sometimes we've done quite well getting this far as adults, getting to Beijing. Wow, what an achievement. But I had this sense that, that our ceiling is their floor for the children. I don't know if this is a prophetic word for the church or not, but I think we should spend all our time and effort and energy investing in our young people. 
because they are going to go out and accomplish far greater things than we did. Didn't Jesus say greater things than these will you do? I think that's a word for our young people. I think God's going to open the floodgates on this church. The kingdom's going to go forward in a fresh new way, a wonderful way from this place. Wouldn't it be great to see our kids who've got so much passion for the gospel coming and speaking and giving their experience of life with Jesus. How many of you know that God's a God of life? A God of life. He's the, he's the bread of life. He is the fountain of life. He's the river of life. He's the source of life. Their church, as Stephen Yeo said two weeks ago, will be more glorious than our church as things go from glory to glory. Amen? Are you with me? Are you glad you came today? It's great to be in the house. great to be around the Word, isn't it? So Jesus, in this gospel, Paul in this gospel, I'm reminding you of the gospel which I preached, which was received and on which you have your stand. You can stand on this gospel. You can base your entire life on these words of life um, on which you have taken your stand. It carries on. Paul carries on to say, by this gospel you are saved. What are we saved from? We're saved from ourselves, mainly. The gospel is a power unto salvation. That Christ died. So somebody died in this gospel story. Christ died. Theologians say that, they call it penal substitutionary atonement. That, what does that mean? It means that, that Christ died, paid the price for our sin. He replaces or supplants us and we take his place. He takes our place. There's a great exchange, as Luther says. We take the place that he should have in his life, and he gives us forgiveness for our sin. Isn't that amazing? Everything we've done wrong, all our mistakes, all our sins that separate us from God. So the gospel is essential. It's received. It's eschatological. It's preached. It's penal. It's handed down. And it's only ever about Jesus. The gospel is only ever about Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say perhaps the most challenging part of this story, of this scripture. Christ died for our sins according to scripture. So the gospel is rooted in scripture. It's biblical. We can trust it. It's the word of God. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to scripture. This Part of scripture is called the resurrection of the Christ. I love hearing about the resurrection of the Christ, don't you? It gives me so much hope. Our God is in the business of resurrection. It's a church that I know that had something called a dead-raising team, full of faith that God could raise the dead, just like he did with Jesus Christ. Wow. What does he want to resurrect in your life? Have you got a dream, a vision that's maybe died a long time ago. God's resurrecting that dream now. Don't let the devil steal. There's something called the dream stealers. There's an enemy out there prowling, trying to take what, the life that God has for us. We call them the dream stealers, stealing your joy, stealing your dreams. He's prowling around like a lion, trying to take away what God has for you. God's given you this amazing life, the life through the kingdom. So the gospel is Christological. It's all about Jesus. It's only ever about Jesus. Jesus, by the way, was no mellow fellow, as we say in England. He made some boiling point statements. 
He said things like this. He says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And if that wasn't enough, he just kind of hits it out of the park and says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So the gospel is inclusive and it's exclusive. Salvation is one narrow door and that narrow door is Jesus. It's inclusive because all are welcome. It's exclusive because there's one door and that narrow door dividing heaven and hell is closing. Who is Jesus to you? Can I suggest that he he is who you need him to be today? You're looking for direction. He's the way. Have you noticed there's so many ways that Jesus describes himself in the word? He says on Monday, he says, I am the way. Tuesday, he says, I am the truth. Wednesday, he says, I'm the bread of life. Thursday, he says, I'm the gate, if you're needing some direction. Maybe you're needing healing. Friday, he says, I am your healer. Saturday, maybe you're needing financial help, financial provision. He says, I'm Jehovah, Jireh, the Lord, your provider. He is who you need him to be today. Jesus, the center of the world. He is standing between humanity and between heaven, reaching up to God, showing us the way, and God reaching down and reaching into our misery, into our despair, and plucking us out of where we deserve to be. Who is Jesus to you? It's a good question when we're reading the Bible. Whenever we're reading a passage, what is this telling me about Jesus? Most of us have hard feet, hard feet, and sorry, most of us have hard hearts and soft feet. Jesus wants today to give us soft hearts and hard feet. Amen. He gives us purpose, direction, and meaning. I was on a, a, a flight about five years ago. It was in a country where it didn't have a great safety record, uh, aviation safety record. So I was already anxious. Um, I was already worried. And I got into the plane, and I was fearful. I was very full of anxiety. This plane's going to crash. This is not good for me to be on on, on this plane. Uh, And my kind of confidence wasn't improved at all when I could only see one pilot in the plane. So we take off, and it's one of those Boeing 737s. It starts rattling. The engine starts going round and round like this. I think, this is it. I'm so sorry, everybody. Abby was uh, uh, pregnant at the time. I thought, this is a disaster. This is no way to go. This is no time to go. It's not my time, but it seems that it is, because this plane's going up like this, and this noise is just, just hideous. This is all over. My anxiety increases further when we get some kind of stability, but the pilot, who I'm convinced there's still only one pilot, he starts coming out and serving us food. <laughs> I think this is finished. So at that point, I realized I needed something. Something in my life is missing. Faith. You know, what is your faith in today? What are you putting your faith in? I dare to suggest to you that your faith is placed in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the only certified savior of the world. The only savior, the only person we can put our faith in, put our trust in. We put our faith in all kinds of things, don't we? Airplanes. We chat. How many of you do your internet shopping or your shopping over the internet? Yeah? We, we, choose our, we choose the stuff that we want, don't we? And we go click, 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 click. 
and then we press the button, and we hope and expect our shopping to be ordered, to be delivered, and the internet to work, hopefully. We place our faith. We, how many times do we do that? We just click the order once, don't we? When we pray, do we have the same expectation that when we pray, God's going to answer our prayer? Can I tell you this? If the internet can fulfill their promises to you in the, in, in the internet shopping world, how much more can God fulfill his promise to you and his good gifts that he wants to give you? So maybe you're here and you're waiting for a promise of God to, 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 to be materialized. Maybe you've been waiting a long time. Have faith. Like I was in that plane, ask for the gift of faith. Faith is a gift according to the book of Corinthians. We can go to God and ask him. We need the faith the size of a mustard seed. And we can put our faith and trust in God. He will give us the gift of faith. And with that gift, we can transform lives and see the kingdom come. Next slide. Can we go to the next slide? I want to talk about the secrets of the kingdom. Matthew 6, verse 33. Very famous portion of scripture for Matthew 13 first. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Jesus' words were not understood by everybody. Not all his hearers understood. You had to, as I said earlier, be spiritually inclined to hear the voice of God, to, to be attuned. So you have to be hungry for God. And then he will speak, and then he will reveal the secrets of the kingdom of God. So Matthew 6, verse 33, a very famous verse, it says this. It says, therefore, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. I, of course, come from a kingdom, from the United Kingdom. It's a land, it's a strange land. We enjoy eating cucumber sandwiches. We enjoy riding on big red buses. We enjoy playing cricket and rugby. Yeah. It's a kingdom. And when you have a kingdom it's right, that's righteously ruled, there is peace. There is joy. There's love, peace, and joy in the kingdom that's on offer. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The word seek that is used here is not the kind of hide and seek that children might play. Where is God? Which door is he behind? That's not what, what, what the Greek means here. The Greek means to relentlessly pursue, to chase hard after, to relentlessly follow, to not give up. That's the kind of person God is asking you to be. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. How do you run a kingdom-oriented business in Beijing? How do you seek first the kingdom practically? In your workplace, in your families. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Righteousness has three meanings. Firstly, it means to be free of all guilt. Did you know today, if you've come in this place feeling any guilt or shame about anything you've done in the past, you can leave here completely forgiven and completely forgiven and completely restored. Amen? Don't leave this place feeling guilty. That's what the devil wants you to feel when you leave for something that you've done in the past. Righteousness, the righteousness of God, the imparted, imputed righteousness of God given to you in that great exchange when Christ forgives our sin and we get his righteousness, that's the gospel. 
means that we can walk out of here free of all guilt. Amen. Second meaning is the right to claim what is yours as the child of God, as the children of God. And thirdly, to have right standing, to have legal right standing before God. The right to stand in front of your father as his child. What an awesome saviour. What a God we serve. You see, this all started many, many years ago in the covenant. There were two types of covenant in the Old Testament. There was the Abrahamic covenant. There was the Mosaic covenant. Both covenants demanded blood. If you made mistakes, you needed, you needed to um, re- seek restoration in relationship and with God through a blood sacrifice. And the way it worked is this. Let me show you practically. I'm going to ask Rick to, to come and help me with this. Ah, he's worried now. Um, you, would take, you would take certain animals. You would take a calf, a sheep, uh, birds, and you would cut them down the middle um, in the blood sacrifice. And half of the animal would go this side, and half would go this side. And then Rick, if I can come up here, take my hand. I'm forming a covenant now with Rick, and it could be a business covenant, it's a relationship. And what we're saying to one another is, that if I break that covenant, lest I break that covenant, this is going to happen to me. You can do this to me too. You can split me down the middle. You can shed my blood if I break this covenant. And we'd walk together through where the animals are, and then we'd walk back again like this. And this is my covenant to him and his covenant to me. Let's give the, let's give the Lord a great hand clap for Rick and his star of all that. Thanks, Rick. But the amazing thing is in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 15, God turns up and he does a deal with Abraham. This is the first time he's, he's kind of coming to Abraham in a special way and he's starting the Abrahamic covenant. And Abraham's just a guy, he's a regular guy and nothing special about him at this point. And God says, right, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. And what he does is they, they start preparing the animals to be slaughtered. Um, Abraham knows the drill from his, from his religion, from his upbringing. But something incredible happens. The guy falls asleep. Now, I know you, particularly you ladies, you find that difficult to believe. The guy switches off at the, at the, at the, at the key moment. But that's what happened. Abraham falls asleep. He's not at the party. This is his amazing deal with God that he's going to create this covenant and, and things are going to be great and he's asleep. So what God does is something absolutely extraordinary. He walks down through the animal sacrifice and he walks alone. And what he's saying there is that this is my covenant. I will be faithful to you. Even if you're not, even if you're not even here, you're asleep. You're not with me. I will be faithful, says the Lord. You can trust me. You can put everything on me and I will not let you down. He is faithful. He is always faithful. And he will never leave you and never forsake you. Hallelujah to the King of Kings. Praise his name in this place. He did it on his own. The covenant is about the greater reaching to the lesser. We have nothing to do with it. We think we're making deals with God. God, if you just solve this problem for me, if you just bring me through this month, I'll give you my life. No, this is his idea. The kingdom invitation is for you. And you don't have to do anything. It's not about what you've done. It's not about who you are. It's about 
accepting what Jesus has done for you and the blood sacrifice that Jesus paid so that you and I wouldn't have to. Both covenants are about blood. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 9, 22 says that without forgiveness, sorry, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Abby and I were were pastoring a church in Munich um, several years ago. There were two couples in the church who were experiencing infidelity in their relationship. They'd had affairs, and a lot of damage had been caused uh, within both couples. And I have great respect for um, counselors, for secular counselors. They do a great work. They help people through anger, bitterness, frustration, hurt, pain. But let me tell you this, there's nothing like the Word of God when it comes to counseling. There is nothing like word-based counseling. And this church is very, very blessed by having a number of Christian counselors who know the Word and know what God says. Because when you counsel from the Word, you receive healing. You receive restoration. And these two couples that we're working with, very different situations, both of them had this in common. When they found out about the affairs, they said, I wanted blood. I wanted to hurt my partner for what he had done. I wanted to hurt the other person. They already had the blood around the counseling table, around the communion table, the blood of Jesus. That's what brought them together. Now those couples are stronger than ever before. They came through because Jesus restored their relationship. Hallelujah. Maybe you're feeling like that today. Maybe you've been wronged by your business partner. Maybe you've been hurt by, by a work colleague, by your, by your spouse, by a friend. And you're hurting. God wants you to know he understands your pain today. But it's only by the blood of Jesus that that, that pain will be satisfied and healing will come. You've got the blood. The blood of Jesus. Bring it to him. The covenant, it's about the greater reaching to the lesser. Jesus, when he came, you know the story about the woman who'd sinned and people are lining up to throw stones at her. They're lining up to see her go, to see her go down. And she's, she's guilty under the law for what she's done. She deserves to be stoned, says the law. And so they're lining up around, ready to throw the stones. And what does Jesus do? He draws a line in the sand, starts writing. No one knows what he wrote. He draws a line in the sand. Can I tell you, Jesus draws a line in the sand. Everything's new now. The old covenant you don't need to worry about. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, the law. He atones for us. It's a new way of doing things now around here. That's what he's saying. Are you ready to take part? We get freedom and liberty in the kingdom. Why? Because you're liberated from the expectation of others. I sense somebody here today, you're burdened by the expectation of other people. Other people have these really high expectations of you, and you can't reach them. You can't meet them. Can I tell you this, that when you put the kingdom first, it's no longer about you. It's about what God can do through you. Isn't that amazing? Can I tell you in my own life, the times when I've failed most are the times where God has reached into my life in a powerful and extraordinary way. 
much more so than when things are going well and I've had some relative success. Can it be that it's because of John's gospel, John 3.30, where John, the, the beloved, he says, less of me and more of him. Because when we're about our own achievement, we can't be full of the Holy Spirit. We can't be full. We're full of ourselves. This is a great key for us as we live a kingdom-filled life, a kingdom-focused life. Less of us and more of him. That should be our prayer. Empty yourself. Pursue the kingdom. And like Abraham, he's expected to fail. So are we. doesn't matter. Try it. Keep going. Let's go on to the next slide. The covenant relationship. My grand, um, my grand's from Scotland. Is anybody here from Scotland? Okay, I can be a bit more. <laughs> no, my grand's from Scotland. She's, uh, uh, she was a driver for many years, um, a driver in the Second World War, um, and she carried on driving. Uh, she was always proud of her driving. Uh, she, she drove around in Scotland, and uh, she's from Aberdeen, right up in the north, in the, in the, in the Highlands. And she, um, I was driving around with her. I was about 12 at the time. And Scotland's full of mountains and steep roads and, and winding roads. And her eyesight was failing. I knew that. She, she wasn't quite fully sighted. And so she's speeding around with me around these bends and curves on the mountains. And she could see that I was nervous. So I said, Granny, can you just slow it down a bit? You, know, you don't need to take that bend as though there's nothing coming around the other side because we don't know that. Uh, so she says, never mind, Neil, never mind. Just do what I do. Close your eyes and pray. <laughs> so it's another time when we need faith. <laughs> we need to have faith to enter the kingdom. I'll close with this. That's the one-hour point to go, yeah? <laughs> four rooms of life. Somebody once said you go through four rooms during your life. The first room that you try to enter is called possessions. You look for your possessions. You look to buy a house. You look to get clothes. You look to go on holiday. You look for nice things. But then you find that they don't satisfy. So you look for the next thing that, that satisfies. And you wander into a different room. You wander into the room called relationships. Maybe sex, friendships, different kinds of relationships. And you find that they provide some cer cer certain amount of satisfaction. But they still don't feel that longing that, you, that most people have in their hearts. So the third room that people enter is, is called power. And you find people entering politics, um, certain stages of life. They want power, they want influence. Then they find that maybe that doesn't satisfy and they're nearing the end of their time. So they start thinking, well, what's going to happen after I, I'm gone? I, I want to leave a legacy. So they start naming hospitals after themselves. All the hospitals in England are named after business people who are trying to leave some kind of legacy and they perpetuate their name long after they've gone. They want to leave a legacy and significance. Can I tell you that when you put the kingdom first, when you're born again, as John's gospel says, into the kingdom, that's the very first thing that God gives you. Eternal significance. Eternal legacy. Because that means everything you do in the kingdom is going to last Everything here passes away and fades away. That's why everything you do in your business, in your relationships, 
Think about the kingdom. Invest in the kingdom. That's what you get. The kingdom has its own currency. The currency is faith. It has its own health system. Hallelujah. Jesus the healer. Jesus heals today. He heals every disease and sickness. Matthew 10 verse 1, he's given us authority over every sickness and disease. Do we exercise that authority? Do we pray for people to be healed, to be set free, to be released? There's a difference between power and authority. Best way to show it is, imagine there's a car coming. Um, uh, a car coming very fast. And, and there's a policeman here. And the policeman holds his hand up. Well, the car is three tons at least, three tons of weight. And it's hurtling towards the policeman. The car has more power than the policeman. But the policeman has all the authority to put his hand up and say, stop. And so the car must stop. We're like that. Maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel you don't have much power. But Jesus says, I've given you power and authority to go into, into all the ends of the earth, baptizing people in the name of Jesus, preaching the gospel. You have the power. You have the power over scorpions. You can pick up scorpions and they won't sting you, says the word. Amazing. Power and authority that God has given you. Let's bring this to a, to a close, a quick close. Two more minutes. There's a kingdom rhythm. Kingdom rhythm is sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping works in this kingdom. Uh, Genesis 8.22 says, As long as the earth remains. Well, is the earth remaining now? Are we remaining on the earth? I think we are. There's day and night. There's winter and summer. Cold and heat Seed time and harvest. This is the rhythm of the kingdom. You sow and you reap. Can I ask you, what season are you in personally in your life? Are you in a sowing season or are you in a reaping season? Why does it matter? We need different tools according to the season that we're in. If things are barren at the moment, maybe you need to go out to the harvest. Things aren't working, you need to sow, you need to give. This currency of the kingdom is giving. You need to give and give. Have you noticed, um, often we need to give to get what we need. For example, for, for example fitness, that's a great example, isn't it? How, how is it possible that to get fit and get more energy, I need to give out and, and go running and spend out energy? How does that work, that, that to get energy, I need to give out energy? I call it the 747 principle, the Boeing 747, Luke 747. Um, we love because he loved us first. He gives us love so we can go out and, and give love. 747. We need to give in order to receive. Are we reaping or are we sowing? How do we know what season we're in? Is God changing the season of your life at this moment to be a reaper rather than a sower? Just as day, just as night, just as hot, just as cold, there's reaping and there's sowing. Galatians 6 says this. It says, do not be deceived Whenever you see that word in Scripture, do not be deceived, you need to underline it because an attempt is going to be made to deceive you. It's too important to ignore these words. Do not be deceived. As a man sows, so shall he reap. And we say that quite negatively, don't we? But God meant it for good. As you sow, so, so you shall reap. Sow love. You need love, sow love. You need faith, sow faith. Faith will come back. If you need finance, so finance. Finance comes back. Amen. Let's close with a few more thoughts. Two more minutes.
It's the compassion of Christ that leads men <laughs> to repentance. Maybe the last slide, last couple of slides. You see this picture of a statue of Christ the Redeemer. Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro. I want to tell you, my Savior is not like that. My Savior doesn't have a stone heart. My Savior has a heart of love. And that's why he made the sacrifice that he did, so that we could have life that we don't deserve. It's one of love and kindness. Look at Peter's reaction. I loved um, Sissy sharing about the boat, um, the storm, the seismos. Peter's been fishing all night, not getting anywhere. Fruitless, waste of time, all night working hard, no fruit. And what happens? Jesus just whispers softly to him. Just cast your net on the other side. Peter goes, all right then, because it's you, I'll do it. He wasn't particularly happy about it, but he was obedient. And then there's just this amazing catch of fish. There's so many fish that the boat just is, is almost sinking under the weight of the fish as the fish are, are tried to be pulled on the shore. Peter received a boatload of grace. What does he say, though? Look at his reaction. He says, Jesus, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You see, it's the loving kindness and the grace of Christ which leads men to repentance, which leads us to repentance. So can I tell you, receive the free gift of the kingdom today, the grace of God. Christ's grace draws us. It's drawing you now. Do you want to be part of the kingdom of God and receive the life that Jesus has for you? I commend this gospel to your hearts. I commend this gospel message to the house. May we pray. Maybe Doug and the worship team, could you come? I want to give an opportunity, first of all. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this good news, the gospel of the kingdom that's you and you say yes I want to accept what Jesus has done for me I want to accept the forgiveness that he offers I know that I've done things my way and it hasn't really worked I want to give God the chance to come into my life change my life give me the gift of eternal life I've been going through one of those rooms I've been looking for things but I haven't found what I'm looking for if that's you today just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, to atone for my sins, pay for my mistakes. Come into my life as my Lord and Savior. Give me the gift of eternal life. I want to make a difference now. I'm not going to do things my way. I'm going to do things your way. Let me be born into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And if that's you... You just said that prayer. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Would you just do something for me? Just lift your hand up and take it down again. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. It's just saying to God, yes, I'm serious. I, I'm responding to your call. I'm responding to your message, to your love. If there's anyone else who needs to do that. I'm not going to involve you in the service or point you out so that I can pray for you. Anybody else? Thank you. Let's pray.
Father, I pray for those who are coming to your kingdom, perhaps for the first time. I thank you that you have come, that we might have life, and life in all its fullness. Thank you you set us free from other people's expectation. Thank you that you are the God of life and the God of hope. And that you accomplished all of this through the blood of Jesus. I accept the blood of Christ to cover my sin. Come and change me. Come and give me the gift of new life. Father, for the church, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the call that you've placed on us to go and preach the gospel to all nations. I thank you for your word. It changes us, it empowers us, it equips us, it gives us life. We thank you for your kingdom through which we get our identity, our hope, our destiny. You are an amazing God. We celebrate you and we thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you.